two in URFM's Health and Wellbeing. For our sponsor, Mullen Natural Health Centre, Hamilton. Well, I'm very excited to come back and see Peter Mullen. It's your second week back, but your first day you've had to be putting up with me again, Peter. So welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Lovely to see you too. Feels like the year's starting back properly now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's a nice of you to say so. <laughs> Look, today, Peter, we're talking about something that can trouble us as we get a bit older, but generally for younger folk, we're talking about acne today. Yeah, no, it's a really big area and um, lots of different reasons as to why it occurs. So I thought we'd talk about some of the, some of the myths, some of the um, facts and, you know, for a lot of um, people listening out there, it's not something just that atta- attacks or affects um, teenagers. So, Peter, this morning, talk- this afternoon, talking about acne and pimples, I'm noticing that you have the like clear skin everywhere. There's not a blemish, not a mark, <laughs> not a scratch, no nothing. So are you the right person to be talking to us about this? Or maybe you are. I, I think I might be. Yeah. And actually, I didn't have much trouble with acne as a kid. Like, I, I do think there's a bit of a genetic predisposition for people mm-hmm. to get that really serious... Um, cystic sort of acne. Okay. It does tend to run in families. Um, but a lot of people will get variations of that. A lot of people will get pimples growing up as well. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, diet and lifestyle and, and you know, what some of the contributing factors are. And it's quite, it's interesting. Some of the medical sites say that, you know, diet's not been proven to have any impact upon acne and or pimples. But, um, you know, from my experience, we're going to cover some of the things that I've found to be really effective. Sure. So I guess to start with, uh, we hear the term acne, we hear pimples, and people tend to lump, can lump it all in as one thing. But can you break down, firstly, some of the differences between them? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's many different causes, as we said. Um, looking at where the location of where the pimples or the acne occur gives us clues as to what some of the drivers might be. But um, full-on, um, they're really, really... Um, uh, severe looking acne where you're getting um, big cysts coming up under the skin um, is directly attributed to the rise of um, hormones. So what happens in puberty, you get an increase of these androgen hormones. Um, women that have, which are the more the male hormones, women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome will also get an increase in these male hormones. These male hormones increase the production of sebum or oil in the glands under the skin and causes this increase in sebum, causes the pores to become bigger and over time what happens, the pores clog up and then you get bacteria sort of grow in the area and then you get the infected cysts or pimples. So, you know, hormonal the hormonal change is the, the big driver for this increase in sebum production. Which, which kind of makes sense that it becomes a big thing as you're becoming a teenager and through yeah, those years because yeah, everything's changing. Those, all those hormonal changes. So this is where I think it probably does run in families a bit. I've noticed that, you know, sebum production and earwax are very similar in structure. So a lot of kids that have acne will also have um, bad earwax production because they're just producing too much of this um, sebum. Okay, that's very interesting. They're both pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, kind kind of, of, sort of. So I guess as well there are a lot of other physiological things that can go on behind the scenes if you have a predisposition to this home. You can be very anxious, you can be self-conscious and those other underlying things take place as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a lot of kids it is a, um, a confidence thing and um, the challenge is that, like on the market, a lot of the um, medication for acne is quite drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be a lot of side effects associated with it as well. You know, whether it's antibiotics or um, vitamin A derivatives that you know can really, you know, lead to symptoms of depression and all sorts of things. So, you know, seeing a naturopath is always the first port of call in, um, you know, finding out if there's something you can do naturally first. Now, one of the um, interesting things is where where so pimples are different to acne so pimples are more 
um, they're minor blockages in the skin. You know, they're not so much associated with the bigger um, pore size, so you don't have the androgen drive as much. It's not a systemic, basically. It's not, no, it's not a, such a systemic thing. And when we think about pimples, um, you know, people that get pimples or, or even acne more related to the jawline is more hormonal and um, lymphatic system, um, while pimples on the forehead tend to relate more to stress. Um, so again, depending on where the pimples are, gives us clues. A lot of people that get the full-on cystic acne also get acne like across their um, shoulders and back, sometimes on their chest as well. So anywhere where these um, oil-producing glands sit, um, you can get this increased production and, and then the infection and the cycle. And one of the long-term problems, obviously, is the psychological stress you know, of having acne, particularly if it's really bad, but also um, the scarring as well. So that's the concern for a lot of kids is they want to try and get on top of it and treat it quickly before you end up with scar tissue that, you know, might take years to really sort out down mm. the track. If, if ever. Yeah, mm. yeah. Now, Peter, uh, you want to sort of look at some of the ways that we could and should be treating this. You say, first off, that perhaps medication is, should not be our first port of call. What is it with the medications that you'd like to point out with us today? Well, probably one of the common medications prescribed for... Um, because of the hormonal changes, oftentimes if you go and see someone that's just going to prescribe medication, for women they'll use the contraceptive pill to try and override the production of the male or the androgens and probably an antibiotic combined with that as well. So that's often the first port of call. The problem with those is both of those, I think, is a little bit heavy-handed if you haven't tried some natural methods first. Um, being on the pill too young, you know, the pill is... is it's a it's a useful um, medication. It helps a lot of people. Very good for birth control. But um, you know, if you don't need to be taking it, it's still putting excess synthetic hormone into your system. That you know, we don't know what the long term effects of that are going to be. Um, and then antibiotics. And we've, there's been so much information out about you know everybody's so much more familiar with the effects of gut and gut health and how important a healthy um, microbiome or gut flora balance is. So taking antibiotics unnecessarily. Um, obviously, again, it's going to upset gut and cause you know major more issues, or maybe more issues down the track. Well, would it be fair also to say, Peter, that by using medications, that yes, you're treating the the, the symptom, but not necessarily the cause? Is that yeah, pretty going? much. Pretty much. In that case, what you're doing is you're waiting for the person to get old enough, maybe that their hormones are more settled, and you're not going to get that increased sebum production. So you're not really fixing the problem. You're sort of just masking it in some respects. Um, and then other medication, if that is not effective enough um, then there's a, a, a certain type of drug they use which is a derivative of vitamin A but it's a synthetic form and um, again that can cause a lot of side effects and issues as well so um, I do I do see kids that are taking medication and I never take them off their medication straight away until we make sure that you know everything else is covered and that they're doing really well um, but yeah definitely if, if you've got a, a child or a grandchild or, or you yourself are suffering from acne, it's worthwhile trying some natural things first. One of, one of, something that I find works really well for um, adult acne, because I see people in their 50s that still have, still getting acne, but not quite the same as that, not that real um, androgen-driven acne that you get, you know, when you're a teenager in early 20s. Um, and there's a herbal tablet that I use called Golden Seal, and um, Golden Seal is my version of a natural antibody. It's really good for mucous membranes. It's good particularly for the bacteria associated with acne. So there are a lot of really good alternatives out there. So moving to, to the alternative side of treating it, uh, some other things we can do. Are there things that we should be looking at dietary-wise perhaps? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like when you look at the the literature, there's not a lot of studies being done to show that diet has a big impact upon um, either cystic acne and or pimples. However, often uh, often I'll find um, that you know diet will play a big role when we look at skin conditions. Like our skin cells turn over every six weeks, so there's you know the, the cell turnover is quite high. The more you can improve your diet, I believe the the better the quality of your skin is going to be generally. Um, some people sort of say that you know cutting out your cereals and grains, you know because of the effect on like cereals and grains and sugar, um, any excess carbohydrate the sugar is going to feed any abnormal bacterial levels in the body. So you want to cut out the sugar. Um, cereals and grains do have a big impact in releasing even more sugar into the body. There's the effective thing hormones like insulin. So you want to try and get your diet as low carb as possible. So off your cereals and grains. Um, so that's you know white flour, white bread, but any any cereals and grains is worthwhile trying to reduce if you've got serious acne. Um, You're killing us, Peter. <laughs> Sorry. Um, cereals and breads out the window. Out uh, the yeah, window. yeah. And people don't always think of that. You know, in the past, um, I find some people respond to trying to get off dairy if they've got too much milk. I'm not sure whether it's the fat or the lactose in the milk, but um, and you know, varying debates around you know whether chocolate and acne in people you know the research sort of suggests that chocolate doesn't have an impact but i think it's going to have an impact if someone is sugar sensitive you want to cut out any extra sugar so chocolate unfortunately would be included in that as well okay now that you've belted us around the head what about what about water is that going to uh, have yeah, a bit more look, the skin the body you know the cells in our body are, are, are comprised of water so making sure you're drinking plenty of water obviously is going to make a big difference um from a, a supplement point of view I've got, I find a lot of people that get cystic acne respond really well initially to um, vitamin C and zinc. Um, vitamin C has a bit of a natural antioxidant effect. It reduces um, allergy and inflammation associated with irritated skin. And it's also antibacterial, helps to boost the immune system to fight bacteria. Um, and zinc is really important for healing and repairing the skin as well. And again, helping the immune system. So. I find that's my first port of call for anyone that's got any sort of skin condition, even if it's eczema, um, acne, pimples, is always to get them on zinc and see if they're low, which a lot of people tend to be. Look, face, nice smiley face, no blemishes, nothing on there. He's going to talk to us about acne and pimples, as he has been, Peter. Look, <laughs> we've been talking about some of the things that we can do, you know, dietary-wise. There are a few other basics, though, to try and combat acne and pimples that uh, we possibly should be doing. And one simply involves just getting outside. Yeah, absolutely. Um, getting some um, sunlight, warmer weather, um, swimming in, in the salt, you know, salt water, um, vitamin D. You know, getting your vitamin D levels checked if you're worried about skin, whether that's allergy or whether you're getting infections like um, acne. Um, you know, because so many people, it's crazy, but so many of us are low in vitamin D, such an important vitamin because we are so sun protective these days. So it's a double two-edged sword, isn't it? Because we, no one wants to get melanoma or other skin cancer, yeah, so absolutely. we run away from the sun, but we kind of need it. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And then it's things like um, other risk factors can be, you know, if you're acne prone. If you work in a takeaway shop where there's a lot of around greasy food and oil in the air, you know that's going to be an aggravator for your skin. Um, the type of makeup you use, as well, you know whether you're clogging pores up. Um, not a lot of like research about this, but you know the theory is that you you want to use products maybe that aren't as pore clogging, and you want to make sure that you do wash your face well, you know, before you go to bed, so you do unclog those pores. 
using as natural skincare products as possible. Um, things like you know making sure your, your uh, makeup brushes and that are clean that you you know wash your brushes between use as well so you're not sort of transferring bacteria. There's a lot of tricks there, isn't it? Because those who are you come into their teenage years and they're prone to all this sort of stuff, you're basically hitting them over the head because at least half. Uh, are working in a takeaway store somewhere, getting a yes. bit of pocket money, and at least a third are starting to experiment with makeup and all of that. Yeah. And it's like all the things that you're now doing are possibly... Possibly aggravating possibly, things. And then, yeah. and then you think about diet of a lot of um, teenagers as well, not all adolescents. Or I've got 20s. good metabolism, so I can have 10 pies. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, is, that is the challenge. You're right there. Um, and and also, also the, other, the other big thing for this age group is, um, or three things, sleep. So sleep really is the best anti-inflammatory thing that we can possibly do. So many of these kids are laid hours, you know, they'll stay up half the night, you know, sleeping during the day, their body clock's all out of whack. So good quality sleep, the hours before midnight is going to be more anti-inflammatory. Um, the second thing is alcohol. Alcohol for these kids that have this really bad cystic acne is going to be a no-no. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, you know, alcohol generally for skin conditions is not great. Dries the skin out and, um, you know, exacerbates or compromises the immune system, basically. And the third thing is stress. Mm -hmm. You know, stress is a big aggravator for, for pimples and particularly for this sort of cystic acne as well. So, uh, With all of that combined, when you, when you think of these things being such big drivers for acne, it's a, it's a wonder anybody goes through without it. Yeah, well, again... Takeaway I, I food, think... bad diet. <laughs> learning and exploring and experimenting with alcohol makeup um bad sleep yeah unfortunately unfortunately culture that's the way teenagers lives tend to go isn't it mm. but um yeah if they've got if you if they start off with having that hereditary predisposition they're definitely going to have more of a challenge and the unfortunate thing is if they don't make those lifestyle changes the only or take natural medicines the only alternative is those stronger drugs which can have those side effects so yeah, no, it's a challenge. Mm, it can Definitely be. a challenge. Yeah. Peter, uh, some interesting words as always. Thank you for coming in with us this week. Now, there are some talks that are happening around and about with you guys. Uh, the first one is the thyroid. So I know people have been thinking about that one, but that one's fully booked out on February the 20th. You've got a weight loss one coming up Feb 27. Yep, February 27th. We did our first weight loss talk for the year in end of Jan and um, had a great turnout to that free talk. Um, so, yeah, so we're putting another one on. There's limited seating again. It's already filling up fast. So if anyone's keen to come along, definitely get online and check that out. And um, what that one's about is just really, really trying to get nail home that message about carbohydrates and um, the approach we're recommending is a ketogenic style of eating um, and, you know, some really great tips that even if people don't want to get on board with a full weight loss um, idea, there's some really good tips just about healthy eating and how we should be all managing our carbohydrate input and with uh, kids all back at school time to start thinking about kids health uh, march 13 you've got that one covered. yeah definitely definitely kids health is um one of my favorite areas of practice and you know we see a lot of kids um that and the, the kids health talk is all about um how to help your kids you know reach their potential you know not just um health wise and not getting sick but also um, mentally and emotionally as well with you know all the challenges kids face these days uh, peter so, robbins um, becoming a, a anthony robbins type of <laughs> <thing very laughs> soon. you can do it i believe in you <laughs>
And uh, next week on the radio, I'll be back talking uh, thyroid. What, what's, what do you got for us next week there, Peter? Yeah, we're just focusing on Hashimoto's. Like, a couple of times we've done this segment similar to this before. It'll be a bit different next week. But um, there always seems, we always seem to get a lot of, uh, we always seem to rather get a lot of calls about um, thyroid and Hashimoto's. So I thought we'll revisit that, particularly while we're talking about weight and difficulty losing weight as well. Um, and again, it's a really growing concern, the number of people being diagnosed with autoimmune thyroid. So... A great talk with Peter Mullen next week on health and wellbeing. If you'd like some more details, you can make your way to mullenhealth.com.au. We'll catch you next week on health and wellbeing. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, wellbeing, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>